this is Karen Grant with The Cherishing Place. We're so excited to have three beautiful, wonderful guests with us today here on our radio program. We'll be announcing the Dr. Emoto Conference, which will be held right here in Orem, Utah, at UVSC in the Grand Ballroom this Wednesday night. That's Wednesday the 23rd. From 6.30, there will be a book signing. And then at 7.30, Dr. Emoto, that's right, our beloved Dr. Emoto is coming to Utah for his first appearance here. And the women that are with me today have really blessed my life in, a, in somehow introducing me to Dr. Emoto along with Carol Truman, who isn't here. But Dr. Emoto will be coming. His translator, Kamiko, will be with us. She will be translating this wonderful message, messages of water, messages in water to all of us. And so we encourage you to come that night. Tickets are $50 at the door. And today and tomorrow are the last day to pre-register. If you would like to pre-register for that evening event, call Jeff Lewis at 801-465-4739. That's 801-465-4739 to pre-register today and tomorrow only for $40 Otherwise, it's $50 at the door. Today, I have some special guests with me, and one being Lynn Harden, and we have Joanne Otley, who has been termed as the mother of the Tabernacle Choir, and also Kathy Newton, who is presently in the Tabernacle Choir and a very dear friend of mine. So we're excited to have these women, and one by one, we'll be announcing them and sharing letting them each share a bit of their story and how they work into our Wednesday daytime conference. On Wednesday, May 23rd, you can come to the Wells Fargo building in Provo, Utah, and at nine o'clock, we will be registering for a full day event where Joanne Otley will be opening from 10 to 12, and we'll let her share with us today what she'll be presenting. Then we'll have a lunch with donations of fruit and organic crackers by Augie and Real Foods uh, on 800 North in Orem. And then from 1 to 3, we have Lynn Harden. And from 3 to 5, Barbara Hero, who is on an airplane right now, 80 years old, the inventor of the Lambdoma keyboard. And she will be visiting us with Steve Hoffman and Sharita Shaw. So we're looking forward to a wonderful daytime event, which is only $35 if you pre-register today by calling me, Karen Grant, at 801-768-8879 or emailing me at joycoaching at comcast.net. And so we're looking forward to just having a wonderful group there. And we're going to move into interviewing a special guest who I had the enjoyable opportunity of spending yesterday morning with her at Music and the Spoken Word, listening to Kathy Newton and the Tabernacle Choir sing and do a wonderful Mother's Day program. So Lynn, say hello to our wonderful audience. Well, hello, and thank you for having me, Karen. And I must say that the um, performance yesterday at the at the Tabernacle was absolutely extraordinary. So I appreciate being invited to that. And the amazing thing about that was Lynn is a tremendous advocate for women around the world. And here was a delayed 
because of their scheduling, they did their Mother's Day program, pre-recording it for next year. So here she was in the audience listening to this beautiful Mother's Day tribute to women program, and the songs were just absolutely amazing. We just kept squeezing each other and feeling those wonderful vibrations in that music. So, Lynn, we understand that you are the founder of the the Children's Emoto Project. Well, actually, um, I was involved with Dr. Emoto in May of 2005. I presented him in Oklahoma City. At that time, he was leaving the next morning to go to the UN to speak. And we had discussed um, very cursorily uh, a foundation because in my business, I have worked with many nonprofits and have set up many nonprofits. So he was interested in doing a nonprofit for water and just to get the information about water and the power of water uh, out to people all over the world. He then appeared at the United Nations and made the statement that he wanted to supply 650 million children with books about the water and the water crystals. So on his return from the UN, since he had made this commitment, he said, would you please get the foundation set up? So um, I created the International Water for Life Foundation. And that website is www.internationalwaterforlifefoundation.org. And you can actually download a copy of the children's book, which is called The Emoto Project. And so The Emoto Project is one of the things that the foundation is doing. Uh, We have a wonderful advisory board. We have a wonderful board. And people from all over the world are involved. And we will be systematically creating um, books that can be downloaded in hopefully about six languages in the next month. wonderful. This little book is phenomenal. Lynn sent me uh, probably, what, 160 copies of it, and we've gone through them now, and so they've hit Utah, and now we're so excited to share this little book. I've been using them in my personal practice with children as they get on the the vibrational attunement massage table explaining to them that their bodies are 78 to 80% water, give or take a few ounces, and that how important it is that the tone of the voice that they use, that the messages that they listen to through the music that they choose, how important that is. So Lynn, you will be presenting, I understand, tomorrow to to a closed audience. Do you want to tell us what you'll be presenting? Well, I will just be talking about the foundation. Uh, We've had a very, um, the evening has been done by Danielle Lynn, and she is presenting Dr. Emoto uh, for the foundation. So this is actually a fundraiser for the International Water for Life. So I will be doing some, just talking about the foundation. Okay. And again, that is a private audience. There will be about 50, it's limited to 50. We'll have our Utah presenters, and Joanne Otley will be in attendance to that. And so we're looking forward to that very exciting thing. If anybody would like to become involved in sharing Dr. Moto's work, we have lots of health practitioners, chiropractors, as I've been taking flyers around and talking to people. We have so many people that love Emoto and his work and perhaps would like to get in, get involved in the foundation. And how would they go about doing that? Well, if they go on the website, uh, they can certainly get involved. Info at 
International Water for Life Foundation.org will take them to me or through my website at Magic of Why. They okay. can also find me. Okay, and we're going to be discussing the magic of why in just a few minutes and a process that Lynn Harden has has developed and has written a book about. The Magic of Why is a book that is purchasable, and she will be discussing that in her two-hour segment to, on Wednesday, the 23rd, at the Wells Fargo Building. She'll be our 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock presenter. Do you want to share with us, Lynn, a little bit about how the Magic of Why came about? Give us a little bit of preview about what inspired you to come up with this remarkable process that we were able to discuss a little bit yesterday. Well, I don't um, actually take credit for coming up with the process. I believe this was a process that was given to me. Um, I was in a very serious automobile accident, and I don't believe there are any ac any accidents. And just the circumstances of this particular car wreck only confirms that belief in me deeper. And the more that I use this process, the more convinced I am that it was really um, divinely inspired. It's a gift. Yes, and, and has been certainly a gift for me. But at the end of the day, I had a massive seizure and went into a coma. And so during that time, um, I was not expected to live in the first place and then not expected to ever walk or talk again if I got wow. out of the coma because of the severity of the injury to my brain. That was on a Monday. On Thursday, I woke up and um, actually was released from the hospital on Friday, not because I was well. I had a, several broken bones, but I had lost my short-term memory. And it didn't matter how they confined me. I was still un releasing myself and crawling around on the floor because I didn't remember that they had told me to um, stay in bed and even even contained me with straps and that sort of thing. It didn't matter. So how long ago did this happen? This happened in 1993. Okay, so that's been, oh, just short of... of well, over 10 years. Okay, over yeah. 10 years just, ago. Just over 10 years, yeah. So when you experienced that, you, you had an experience. Yes, I had a very profound experience that really changed my life, and that was understanding where I had been for those three days, and it was in a completely different space. And it's been interesting being with you, understanding that um, that sort of beyond the veil, and that's part of um, the things that I'll be talking about on, on we are, Wednesday. You have a group of, of anxious and eager, willing women and men who will be in attendance who understand and who are anxious to hear whatever you care to share about that. We know it's, it's a sacred experience, and, but we will be willing and loving to hear what you would like to share Thank you very much. And it was, um, it is indeed a sacred experience. I came from a rather, I wouldn't say traditional, I've been very entrepreneurial my entire life, but it's been in what would be considered businesses. You know, it isn't anything that was on the fringe at all. I had a scuba diving shop and had a 
private tennis club and was in banking and real estate and normal sort of things. Yeah. And uh, so when when this happened to me and the experience of this happened to me, um, it really took me from 1994, 95, when all the information was being given, until the year 2000, 2001, before I could really speak about it. I had written the book. I had even produced music with a composer in Los Angeles that was a friend of mine. And he allowed me to take some of his original compositions and orchestrate what I needed for my recovery. So were you a musician prior to this? No. No. So this was a complete turning point. Well, and I'm not a musician today. It's just that music was so profoundly necessary for me for my recovery. And when I say my recovery, uh, for anyone who's had brain injury and understands what it's like to lose short-term memory, it really is exactly like Groundhog Day. You wake up every day. And (laughs) she's laughing, but it's true. (laughs) You wake up every day going, oh, new day. I don't know how I thought I was okay yesterday because I'm so much better today. But my son, who was in the third grade at the time, had to every morning direct me how to get to his school. Mm -hmm. And it's an amazing thing because if you have some sort of physical injury that people can see, they make compensation for that. When you have a brain injury, um, people think you're fine. And people would come up to me, and I was in a very, um, I was in a very uh, position with a with a school uh, where I had created a foundation and was raising money, and it was on a very short timeline. So I was in a critical position that I couldn't just take off and sort of leisurely get myself back together and again through just a series of very unusual circumstances I was directed by a neurosurgeon who knew my sister that the drug that they had given me absolutely would not have an effect on my health and could be very damaging and I'm convinced today if I had not gotten off of that drug very early on, I would not be a functioning adult today. Wow. So that is, you've had an amazing experience with this. And we, I would like to, to uh, move us so that we can understand what is the magic of why? What is the magic of why? And how do you bring that into people's awareness? Well, I, I think that each of us are here for a very, very special reason. I think at our very soul, we have a purpose. And because of the craziness of this world that we have gotten so rushed and pushed and everything is from the outside pushing you this way and go to this school and get this much done and wear these clothes and this is the way you're supposed to behave, that no one has allowed children to stop and say, Let's build on your strengths. You know, we were talking yesterday at lunch, and um, I asked your friend Gary, I said, if you came home 
with two A's, a B, and a C, which grade are your parents going to focus on? And he said, well, the C. And I said, exactly. And this is part of the problem. We are so accustomed to live in the fear and competition and lack dynamic that we don't understand that this is just by training. It comes from our history of fear, competition, and lack, which I call the fear dynamic or the governing dynamic of fear. And there, it is a choice to choose to live from a governing dynamic of love and cooperation and abundance. It's almost like fear is like involuntary because we got programmed as little children and even as we were talking about yesterday back into the womb, we, we naturally go to fear first to change that governing dynamic and to move into love and scarcity and not and leave the scarcity transform that into abundance is a whole choice and becomes a voluntary act so and i agree with you and and it is a choice and we not only have it in ourselves from our own situation but we have it for generation after generation after generation it's, you know, I, I just once went to an iridologist who uh, looked in my eyes and took pictures, and I said, what is that spot right there? And she said, that is chemical. Those are chemicals from three generations back. And she said, it's very, very hard to release that. And so I was asking her, would the water that I'm drinking, the alkaline water, help with that? But it's interesting, you know, how the eyes are the windows to the soul, and they don't just show the physical things that have happened in our lifetimes, but the generational back into our DNA, into our ancestry. Well, and I really believe that there is a way, and the information that I was given um, while I was away, um, I believe we can change all of that. And, and that's good news. Yes. And I think that we can release this from ourselves. And I think that we can choose to sort of, you know, we all operate almost like a record. You know, we do the same thing over and over and over. And until you scratch that record to change that game that we're playing, um, it's very difficult. And once you scratch it, you can never go back. That's true. What will you be discussing with our, with our attendees at the conference? What will your two-hour presentation entail? Well, tomorrow, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, on Wednesday, I plan to give just the core covenants of the magic of why, which is about the fear model and the love model, and then those two models colliding into the infinity model and sort of taking us back and connecting the dots. Because when you really take the time to understand that everything that's happened to each of us, we are participating in, we're co-creating, and we really are, we've given, been given such amazing gift of the spirit, and there is nothing but possibility there for each of us, and to really get quiet enough and decide and choose what it is and consider what it is that really gives your soul strength. That to ask those questions about why you're doing things and to understand. Why you're repeating the patterns. Well, or, or why, what makes you get up in the morning and, and be 
excited and passionate to do what you do. It's those questions of of really loving yourself and it and and just validating how you feel from the inside out. So is your process a process that will help women and men and children um, overcome the numbness, the emotional bondage that they've been in, that have kind of suppressed the emotion of joy, suppressed the happiness in living, and help them to get beyond that and to open up into an awareness that we can choose to be happy and we can choose to have joy and to be loving. Well, I think that there is nothing on this planet that would indicate that there's anything but abundance. And the God of my understanding wants all of us to live in that abundance and and receive from that. And the earth keeps multiplying and bringing new harvests. Everything about the earth is all about harvest. Well, and it just keeps giving and giving and giving. And the more we take, the more it gives. So if we understand that this planet is an expanding universe and it's an expanding planet, we're not, there's more than enough for everyone. It's a totally different concept than being afraid that there's not enough. I just had a client who we traced back some things to realizing that she did have a core belief that God is a God of good gifts, spiritual gifts, and that he can bless her emotionally and spiritually. Where the block was, was she said, I don't believe. I basically interjected and said that there's gold in his pockets and that he can he can turn our scarcity or our beliefs in there's not enough for me. There's enough for him or for her, but be able to transform those beliefs into, I don't dare ask for that. I shouldn't be asking for more. And one of the things of her childhood was that she was taught not to ask. And at Christmas every year, it was reiterated over and over, year by year, there's not enough money for Christmas, so don't ask for anything. So her experience growing up as a little child was the program that ran was there's not enough for me, don't ask. So this is really teaching people that we get to ask. The most repeated word in the verb in the New Testament is the word ask. And the promise is, and it shall be given. And so I th I'm really looking forward to your presentation tomorrow. Do you do private sessions? And will you ever come back to Utah and, and, and help us here with those transformations that we're all looking forward to making? Well, yes, I have clients from many, many places and do a lot of work um, individually. On the phone? On the phone, via phone, sometimes just via the Internet. Well, we have a lot of Internet listeners today who would probably be interested in getting that phone number if you wanted to share that with them, if you feel comfortable, or your email address. Sure, and the website is www.magicofwhy.com. And um, the email address for me personally is lharden at magicofy.com. And so they can reach me. Harden is H-A-R-D-I-N, no G. Right. Harden, Lynn Harden, Harden L. Yes. Harden. Okay. And just magicofwhy.com. Okay. We're yeah. so happy to have you here. And as we introduce our next guest, 
feel free to join in, ask questions. We're about to introduce to you Joanne Otley and Kathy Newton. We will take a station break here for a minute and have a commercial. When you open a book, you can explore new worlds, meet new friends, and discover new adventures like the ones in the Chronicles of Narnia. Impossible! Are you prepared for what awaits you? To find out more about the wonders of reading, you can visit the Library of Congress website at www.loc.gov and let your journey begin. This message has been brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. You would come home after a hard day and just start in on me, you know, like, hey, how was your day? How was school? What you got going on? I mean, it gave me the chills. The time I got this wicked cool scorpion tattoo on my shoulder, not even the whole arm, just the shoulder, and he grounded me for two weeks. Two weeks! And oh yeah. Don't worry. They'll appreciate it. Eventually. A message from the National Fatherhood Initiative and the Ad Council. Have you been a dad today? For more information, visit fatherhood.org. This is Karen Grant. We're returning to The Cherishing Place, where we're interviewing Joanne Otley, the mother of the Tabernacle Choir, who is flown all the way from Hawaii to be a presenter at our Wednesday, May 23rd conference. Joanne, I have just so enjoyed <laughs> communicating with you <laughs> through email and also, my very dear friend, Kathy Newton, who is a member of the Tabernacle Choir, is with us today, and, and Kathy will be introducing you on Wednesday, and so, Kathy, feel free to, to join in and ask Joanne questions. We just want to hear what you're doing today in the, in the spreading of the beauty of music in Hawaii. Well, what I'm doing in Hawaii has very little to do with what I'm doing in the conference. Uh -huh. um, I'm, my husband and I are, are uh, on the faculty temporarily at BYU-Hawaii, and I have moved from a lot of this uh, exploratory work in, back into the classroom. So I've been doing all of the professor things. I've been teaching everything to do with singing and voice and private students and vowels and consonants and languages and all of those things. So it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a departure. But it's been great and wonderful, and I, and I never stop thinking about these principles. And I had one student um, write on a paper toward the end of the school year, addressed me by name, and then said, guess what? She's a little Japanese student, by the way. I have just learned that the world is made of music, exclamation point, exclamation point. And so she thought she was telling me something, and I said, oh, Emiko, come talk to me. <laughs> so we talked a long time, and she has a lot of new things to read now. So it goes on. Oh, it that's on. so exciting. Several years ago, I was introduced to your work by a friend. Uh, I think it was Diane Riley who, who introduced me to you. Mm. You were conducting a little musical workshop once yes. a month for a group of women. And what was that called? I don't remember. Well, I don't know what you were doing at that point because <laughs> there was a group of us who... Um, we were working to create um, a new paradigm for singers. The paradigm for singers has always been wait for the phone to ring, hope that someone will hire you, pay you enough money to, for your gasoline and your babysitter to go do what you've spent a 
thousands of dollars learning to do. There's so many imbalances in that, and we were trying to set up a different way of doing things. Eventually, we decided to put that to bed. But in the meantime, a group of us, um, all who were very deeply involved in the musical slash vocal world, um, knew a lot of things that we had not known before. And Kathy was late coming into that, but but with a very important reason, which she may want to share. But, uh, but in the meantime, we learned a great deal about what music is, and most especially what the human voice is. I have loved the things that Lynn has just said. It's like reading my own study program for the last 10 years. It's so wonderful, and I especially loved what she said about never being able to go back. I've thought often it's like Columbus going back and saying, yes, guys, the world is flat because it isn't flat. And once you have sailed around the world, you know that it's, the life is different. Nothing again will ever look the same. And as we talk about the healing vibrations of music and singing, mm -hmm. I would just love to hear your passion mm -hmm. about the, the why of singing. An article that you wrote, and I don't know, I received it from a dear friend in the Tabernacle Choir who shared it with me just because I love to sing myself. And um, there were some profound things in there from sound therapy, um, how the how in the ancient times you had to become a, a musician before you could become a physician. That's correct. And so anything that and so anything that you'd like to share with us, unconventional mm. path, <laughs> in in using oh, music yes. as a healing dynamic to transform fear into love. Well, it's so big. I ha I almost get tongue-tied because there's so much. I'm sure Lynn feels the same way that there is so much. Even as I was preparing this presentation, I thought, how do you figure out what to leave out? There's so it's much. True. And I was so astonished. The more I read, the more uh, thoroughly amazed I am at, at the reach of it. it. There is no limit. It goes as far out or as far in as you care to go, of course, in far enough that you have only vibration. Mm. But yes, in the ancient times, they knew a lot of things that we have forgotten. Music played a much larger role in those times. And even buildings uh, in ancient Greece, Italy, so on, were built according to harmonic ratios. Uh, it, it's, it's an endless it's an endless subject. Music the, the is essay, mathematics. Yes, music is mathematics. It's probably music before it's mathematics. Um, in other words, it's vibration, which is ordered, then that becomes music. But uh, um, the essay that I think you probably wrote, and again, the why, I loved, even when I saw what Lynn was going to be talking about, the big question that needs to be asked is why. And after that, the how and the when and the what fall into place. And isn't it exciting that oh, we yes. have the magic of why and the why of yes, singing? Absolutely. I mean, how how amazing is that yeah, to have both of you here today? Totally amazing. And and the idea of uh, what to sing. I mean, universities continually. I mean, there are endless volumes of what to sing, when to sing, how to get your jobs, etc. All of those things. But nobody ever has a class on why. Why do you sing in the first place? So why, why? does singing exist? I'll ask why. Well, why? How long do you have? <laughs> <laughs> we have some time. Oh, can well, I just say one thing? Yes, when yes, this Joanne, is Kathy. This is Kathy. When Joanne taught a class and she said, why do you sing? And I remember saying, I sing because it gets the icky out. Those of us who are addicted to singing and, and must sing at all times because we can feel the cleansing that singing does to our bodies. Absolutely. 
Uh, another, th another thing is that there's a place in the brain that has to be charged with sound at least four and a half hours a day for you to stay alive. Wow. So it charges the brain. There is one author who said that singers are the most dynamic people on the earth, and the reason is because they are continually charging their brain. And so there's another reason. It has, there is so little room in the world now for self-expression. We go buy CDs. We have our iPods or whatever they are. I've lived, right. I belong to another generation. I don't know what all <laughs> they listen to. But what we do is buy things and then plug them into our ears and think that's expression, but it isn't. It's somewhere Singing else. along could be. Soon could be, but it's still synthetic to a degree. But to have, in the first place, vowels. Vowels are extremely important. Vowels are, are uh, uh, sorry, I'm stammering, but they're uh, frequencies. They are frequencies. And Kathy, were you at, at BYU when we went to the physics lab? I went to the University of Utah. <laughs> or you mean in graduate no, school? No, no, our group. Oh, no, I wasn't. So a group of us who had studied together made arrangements to go to the physics lab at BYU some years ago. And we saw, heard, vowels made from a little wooden box that was simply tuned to a certain frequency so that when they just made uh, uh, some static in it, well, static is not the right word, of course, but some vibration, they created the vibration that in that little box, the little wooden box made an ah and an o oh and an e. They had a little box for each of the vowels. And that's what we're all doing. We're singing, we're, we are creating harmonic frequencies with our vowels all day, every day. It's true. As, as I have clients come onto this vibrational table yes. and they're wearing headphones and I'll have them now go back before there was word. We all laid in our cribs. Mm -hmm. We we danced. We did the cranial right. unwind naturally. And we were singing our vowel sounds. Oohs and ahs right. and ohs as little teeny infants before we had before we had the the verbiage. And do you know George Grant? Do you recall George Grant? Yes, I have met him and I was in a uh, one evening when he was talking about uh, overtone chanting. He's wonderful. Right. I just interviewed him two weeks ago. We'll be playing his segment next week. But George, is he wanted to be here with you. He loves your work, and he's been in workshops with you where you did the flower song. Mm -hmm. Do you want to, can you share what that flower song experience does? Yes. Um, th this is based on, and this comes from other another whole set of things that I did, uh, some training. I should probably refer back to the fact that I had a daughter, as Kathy did, I had a daughter who was born with a neurological deficiency. It was a developmental problem, and traditional methods simply didn't touch it. I see Kathy over there nodding her yes. head way big up and down, and yes, uh, nobody touched it. There, I, we, I tried everything, and nothing worked. So I basically read a library and got all the information, as Kathy did, and, and finally knew exactly what it was. And uh, then the trick was to find somebody who could fix it. And after a period of time, we found people who could do that. But on the way, I learned many, many, many things, and my world expanded, just as Lynn talked about. Hers expanded by her problem. Mine expanded as a mother and also as a voice teacher because simultaneously with this, I had students who were becoming very, very capable. And when they got capable enough to become professionals, their lives got very messed up. 
And so this is my own convergence of fate, if you want to call it that, to get me doing this. And uh, what did you ask me? Now we have to go to go back that. Um, what did I ask you? <laughs> Good question. Lynn remembers, or maybe has a new question. Well, no, I, I just want to interject, Joanne, that, that I am so amazed to hear about the vowels because the, for me, there were three A, E, O, A became, I was obsessed. And it wasn't until I got with this composer and I said, you have got to find me these three notes. And in, my, in the CD that I did with him, uh, those three notes that he did are still core. And I often, when I get by myself and need some strength, just hum those three notes. And I'm stunned. You know, to hear that <laughs> vowel sounds happen to be so important. So I'm delighted. But see, that shows so plainly that we are all we all know so much inside if we can just access it. The woman's intuition, you do that. intuitive healing. Yes. yes, and uh, anyone who's been through childbirth knows exactly the vowel you use. Anybody want to volunteer? How about oh? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> a true one. George yeah. Grant actually came to my home three weeks ago, and we had a small group of women there, and he led us in an exercise where we were just all, for the first time, and it felt kind of strange at first, you know, to be able to, to open up and get out of feeling inhibited and just go into the vowel sounds and let whatever note came out intuitively and we were harmonizing together mm -hmm. and and then putting a woman in the center of the circle and directing the sound mm -hmm. at her, which was the only other time I'd ever experienced that. That's what you were asking That's me was about. the flower the song. The sound flower. flower. And that oh, came out flower. of educational kinesiology, which I learned from my from my for my my daughter's purposes. And it comes, I understand, from um, it, from an African tradition where when a person in the village is ill, the people of the village will surround the hut and sing. They will sing to that person and until they're well. And it, it's... Is it chanting? The, is it well? just everybody I don't just know sending if, out if other people. I'm sure other people do it different ways. Mm -hmm. But what I did, what I was, what I, when I experienced this at a, at a conference, I grabbed onto it. Um, and what I have them do is, is not formed at all what we do we will be doing earlier in the session we will try to get rid of some of that judgment that you're talking about instead of saying well I can't sing well oh, I don't want to sit by you Joanne because I don't sing well it bothers me terribly when people say that so the idea is to have no judgment no standard move out of performance move out of performance absolutely and simply make begin probably with a hum gradually move into a vowel then begin to let go and let everyone go wherever they want to go. And you create sort of a sound wall. Will we be doing that at our conference? Yes, but with intention. Intention is where energy follows intent. That's a great statement, that energy follows intent. And what you intend is likely what you're going to be doing. So the intent is to heal the person. And I've had many, many amazing things. Sometimes years later, uh, 
people will contact me and say what happened to them when they were in the center of that circle. You That's know, quite an amazing process. I have, I'm making a correlation here between you and Lynn. There's a big one. Uh, there <laughs> is, in the sense that Lynn had a very, um, she was doing scuba diving and tennis and mm. business and finance, had a, an amazing experience that turned her into an unconventional methodology that that heals spirits and hearts and thought processes and and you on the other hand have this whole expertise with theory and dynamics and all the the theory of that that's clinical and and university acceptable and yet you have this whole other side mm -hmm. and understanding and aspect. Has that been difficult to create a bridge for mm -hmm. people in universities to understand? Well, you have to realize, first of all, that because of a, I'm a musician, I'm already weird. <laughs> it comes with the territory. Not only that, I'm a soprano, so there's always that. And so you don't, you're not expected to be very conventional. And uh, I'm definitely not. Um, I probably was early in my life. I was always the good girl who did everything that was asked and also, and all of a sudden, I, I mean, not all of a sudden, over this process, I have become very unconventional and I'm not satisfied with conventional any longer. It's not enough. It doesn't go deep enough. It doesn't satisfy me at all because I need more expansion of this. I need to keep those things because they've taught me so well, but I need to expand. And I, I have to tell you how much I have enjoyed that first experience that I had with you. I wanted to have more experiences with you because that opened a part of my heart. As a child, I, I wrote music. I sat on my bed for mm. hours writing lyrics and poetry and, and writing songs. And I have produced over 30 CDs of oh music. My all atonement centered, all geared at this love. These were my prayer songs and I wrote them for, for the Savior and didn't understand the metaphysics of why <laughs> singing made me so happy. Yeah. And yet I knew that if I broke up with a boyfriend at age 15, I would go write a song about it and I'd sing it with my three chords that I knew on my guitar and I was happy <laughs> and it was okay. And I Three chords and four vowels. <laughs> That's right. And ooh, ah, ouch, you know. <laughs> and... Um, then to be introduced to you and to have that experience where we were mingling across the room, everybody singing their own song and trying to hold the tune of their own song without being thrown off mm -hmm. by everybody else's song and, and all the things that you were able to teach in that one evening for me. I want you to know where I've gone since that evening. I'm now a vibrational attunement massage therapist using all five senses mm -hmm. in accessing the hidden wounds of the heart, mind, body, yeah. and spirit. That's and I have, to, I have to send this back to you and let you know that you really have no idea how one evening sent me on a journey because all of a sudden I understood there are metaphysics involved mm -hmm. that started answering that question of why does it make me so happy to sing into okay there's reasons and then to get that article from Oliver Maservi who's in the Tabernacle Choir um, and read that it was like anything I could get my hands on so I owe you a great debt of gratitude for, for the work that I'm doing now and how I met Lynn was noticing that clients would get up off the table. They'd go into cranial unwinding like a baby laying on this table and uh, maybe singing along to the music, 
doing vowel sounds or if they knew the words they'd sing. And I kept thinking about Dr. Emoto and what I'd heard from you and Carol Truman. And, and if a little vial of water is programmable by vibration, then our body that is three quarters right. water and they're laying on a table and that vibration is going through the spine and people are hearing it through the headphones and getting up off the table saying, something just changed. Mm -hmm. I have been depressed and spiraling down for years and I didn't know how to get out of it. But hearing this music and experiencing this vibration and this cellular symphony as one woman called it, mm -hmm. she said, Mm -hmm. I just had a cellular symphony. Everything was tingling <laughs> all through my well, body. That's the way it is. That's what it is. And so I went Googling at 4 a.m. in the morning and said, why uh, anybody out there with Dr. Emoto can tell me why this is not just affecting little vials of water but bodies of water? And in that process of Googling, I come up with Lynn Harden's name, oh. find her, call. I waited because she was in Oklahoma. So I waited, probably got her up at 7 in the morning. It was now 5 my time. <laughs> Called her and said, I am so excited to talk to you. And then arranged this whole conference. Out of, out of that asking why mm -hmm. came this conference that we're now able to bring you here. Kathy totally introduced you you to me reintroduced i can get a hold of joanne which i was thrilled so i am so grateful to have you all on the program we're going to go to a commercial on the angel dreams lullaby con collection and emotional clearing process that i'm doing with children thanks to joanne otley thank you very much the angel dreams lullaby collection is a series of guided imagery bedtime stories and lullabies for children of all ages. It's important for children to remember who they are in the grand scheme of things. It's an essential part of parenting to help children to experience the sweet stirrings of the spirit. It's imperative that parents help create sacred moments where tender heartfelt feelings can be felt and expressed. This gift of song and verse is an expression of Karen's desire to help fathers and mothers in their God-given roles to reach their children spiritually and to help them to embrace the spiritual connection with their Heavenly Father and Elder Brother Jesus Christ. In the Angel Dreams Lullaby Collection, Karen Grant, who is a singer, songwriter, massage therapist, as well as a single mother of four children, shares her gifts of love and imagination expressed through song and verse that helped her love for all of for all of heavenly father's children these verses were originally written for her own children after prayerfully seeking help and guidance on how to teach and inspire them she is now sharing these messages of hope love and tenderness in order to inspire uplift and encourage fathers and mothers everywhere to tenderly teach their children Cuddle up with your own children or grandchildren as you listen to The Kingdom Within, The Heart Wardrobe, The Smile Maker, The Prince of Peace, Once Upon Divine, The How to Get Calm Song, The Secret of Joy, and an addition of inspirational poetry for women. Use these seven CDs every night of the week as an aid in tucking in the children you love with the blessings of angels.
Good afternoon. This is Karen Grant, Joanne Otley, Lynn Harden, and introducing to our program, Kathy Newton. I have recently met Kathy. She is a member of the Tabernacle Choir, and for all of those who of you who love to tune in every Sunday morning at 9.30, just look for Kathy. She's the one that is just got a smile on her face and sincerity in her eyes as she's singing those beautiful songs. And Kathy, Kathy is, um, she majored and got her graduate degree in music theory and composition. And as a music theory major, you learn about how sound is made and the fundamental and the overtones and, and just everything I've been learning ever since about the energy and its absolute symmetry and design and power is just so amazing to me of the energy that we don't really realize exists. And I love your enthusiasm. I love your passion about about music and your work with the Tabernacle Choir. Now they're going on tour in how many weeks? Um, the end, the 21st of June until July 3rd, we're gonna go to Toronto and Chautauqua and Cleveland and Cincinnati with the Cincinnati Pops and um, Nashville and Memphis. Is there any way we can tune into any of those proceedings, or is that something that if we don't live there, we can't? I think enjoy. you kind of have to live there, but you do can <laughs> you can tune in every Sunday morning always to music okay. and the spoken word. Well, I had the total delight of bringing Lynn Harden to music and the spoken word yesterday, and it was a phenomenal experience for both of us. And Lynn. Having never uh, experienced that before, I would just love to have you share with us what your experience was in being in, a listener in the audience. Well, as I told Karen when, when I came, that I have heard the Tabernacle Choir certainly on television before, but this was an extraordinary experience to be in the room. And because it is recorded and shown all over the world, I guess, um, you can't applaud after the music. So I was in my pew wanting to just burst because there's just burst because there's such a an enormous amount of energy that that when you're in the room and not only from the choir and the orchestra, what what an extraordinary experience it is. It's like being at a symphony. And then to have everyone else involved, uh, I don't think there was a My Radius that wasn't in tears at some point during the presentation of this, especially during the mother song. And so um, it, was, it was so much energy that I just wanted to clap to release some of that energy and I thought now I really I've always I've always had the question why do people clap I mean where did this come from and it suddenly was very apparent to me that it is a release of that emotion that builds up when you are so moved by this kind of vibration so it was a indeed a gift for me to be there and I so I told you I said I don't understand why everyone in this community isn't there every Sunday morning just for the glory of this it is extraordinary to me that and what a gift to this city it really is beautiful it is and it was so fun to 
to see that through your eyes. It was like taking a little child and experiencing it right next to her. And I would have to reach over and squeeze her and, and just say, Lynn, these words are for you. That one beautiful mother song and the tribute it was to, and the tribute it was to, to a woman who has done so much with women around the world and her experience with assisting women who have been troubled and have had all kinds of uh, things to go through is amazing. I just, I couldn't have, we couldn't have orchestrated it more perfectly than to have Mother's Day thrown off a week so that Lynn could be there. And I want to turn some time over to you, Joanne. Traveling, singing, <laughs> living, breathing with the Tabernacle Choir for how many years? Amazing, you should ask. <laughs> <laughs> Well, between my husband and myself, we have 69 years of service to the choir. Wow. That's a lot of notes. <laughs> you couldn't possibly be that old. No, <laughs> between, between the, the two of us. Okay. So how old were you when you started? Can you tell us that? Oh, it, probably at an age when it wouldn't have been very interesting. I don't even know for sure. Let's see, my son was, let's see, 61, 1963 was our first time in the choir. But I was like a lot of the other people in the stage. You brought up why weren't they there? I was scarcely aware. I knew they existed, but I had never been to a broadcast. Didn't really, wasn't very aware of it. And I think that's true about a lot of people, even now, that they're, yeah, the choir, and they're on tour, and that's great, but they don't much care about going. Although there's enormous, um, now that the Christmas broadcast, the Christmas programs have become very, very well attended. But yes, it, it's been quite a life. We. My husband and I were, were singing members of the choir for a number of years. Then we went to Europe to study. And when we came back, I joined the choir uh, for a couple of years. He was called to be a conductor of the choir. How long was he conductor? Mm -hmm. 25 years. Wow. So you have watched people come and go and probably yeah. have developed so many friendships. It's a lot of wonderful friends. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> a but a glorious time of just dramatic to the max and we've been all over the world it feels like oh and we places. could i could go on for three more hours here asking questions asking why and how and when and i just think this has been a very exciting program for me and i hope that it has been enjoyable to our listener audience today again we want to remind you that tomorrow tomorrow not tomorrow but the next day on Wednesday, May 23rd, you can come and experience two hours each of these wonderful women. Kathy will be there being a host with by my side, and Joanne Otley will be presenting from 10 to 12, and Lynn Harden will be presenting from 1 to 3. Barbara Hero, our 80-year-old inventor, mathematician, musician, will be there from three to five and Dr. Emoto will be at the UVSC Grand Ballroom at 6.30 for book signing. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Cherishing Place. You are listening to Karen Grant, Joanne Otley, Lynn Harden, and Kathy Newton. Thank you. Wash away the tear stains in the windows in your mind. Breathe in a glimpse of heaven, child. Gently leave the past behind. Time to untie pretty ribbons